Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Case Time Podcast, hosted by myself. My name is Pyle. And my name is Pooja. And today we are going to be talking about the disappearance of a man named Ben McDaniel. Have you heard of anybody named Ben McDaniel? I feel like I'm. the name sounds familiar, but I may be wrong. Okay. Well, let's get into who is Ben McDaniel and what happened to him. Yeah. So Ben was born on April 15th in 1980 in Memphis, Tennessee. He was the oldest of three sons, and he was born to Shelby and Patty McDaniel. They are a wealthy couple who lived in Collierville, Tennessee, which is supposed to be like right outside of Memphis. So Ben moved back in with his parents like at an older age, I think, maybe like around the age of 30, question mark, Mm -hmm. um, after he like got a divorce and essentially had a construction business which failed and all of that left him with tax debts of close to like 50 grand which is what the irs in the state of tennessee said so he was like in debt what year was that again sorry that he like moved back in with his parents yeah well i guess if he was born in the 80s at 30 that would be what 2010s i think so early 2010s you know let me double check yeah that's fine that is a great question Sounds like he's going through it there. He, it was like 2009, 2010-ish. I see. Um, Yeah, that's a lot back then. Yeah, I mean, but also like 2010 is not that long ago. No. Mm -mm. So essentially, yeah, he got into debt. His marriage failed. His life basically fell apart. He moves back in with his parents. And unfortunately, also at this time, he was grieving the loss of his younger brother, who was named Paul who had died of a stroke at the age of 22. Sadly, it really is. I mean, sadly, Ben um, actually found his brother dead and tried to resuscitate him and was not successful. And they, his parents, so they, they all thought that it was a stroke and his parents made like a foundation to raise money to support like research and you know research that went into looking into and prevent sorry looking into treating and preventing strokes so Mm -hmm. they became an activist and you know we're raising money for his foundation and supposedly later on it was found out that paul's death was actually not from a stroke but due to an opioid overdose and at the time he was not being prescribed opioids oh so so he was struggling with addiction he may have been struggling with with addiction yeah so ben's parents basically told him like you've been through a lot you know there's a lot that's obviously happened in your life you should take a sabbatical and they offered to support him financially while he did this Mm -hmm. and offered for ben and his dog to move into their beach home in santa rosa beach which is in florida and Ben decided to take him up on it take the sabbatical and move And in April of 2010, he had a girlfriend who said that moving was probably one of the best things to happen to him because it helped him like process what was going on and just kind of like take a break from his daily life because he definitely needed it. Mm -hmm. And being near the Gulf Coast, Ben was able to partake in one of his absolute favorite hobbies of scuba diving. 
He Ooh. loved to dive in fresh water, um, which is surprising because you're, you know, right next to the coast. So you think you'd dive in the ocean. But he was a freshwater diver and really loved diving at this place called Vortex Spring, which is located a little north of Ponce de Leon in Florida. Mm. So Ben dove at Vortex Spring like so much that the staff basically knew him. Like he was almost a permanent fixture at that place because of how much yeah. he dove there. And it was noted that he was pretty confident about his abilities and his parents later on were like, mm, they wouldn't have said he was like overly confident. They wrote it off as him being like brave and fearless. So before everything kind of went down, um, four months into being in Florida, so probably like around August. Ben decided to go back to Tennessee for like around a week to see his parents and his girlfriend. And he told them how... Oh, so his girlfriend, they're long distance at this time. Yeah, yeah. Long I see, I see. Yeah. So he was like telling them about how he, you know, had ideas for what he wanted to do with his life. And how since he loved scuba diving so much, he wanted to get certified as an instructor so he could get a job. Okay, makes sense. Right? And he yeah. was looking into doing like a cave diving certification as well. And so when you scuba dive, there's like varying different certifications. I think it starts with like open water. And then the more that your certifications go down, it's like the farther down slash more compressor so, dives. That's get. scary. Yeah, I don't think, I think <laughs> open water is probably the most that I would do. I don't think I'd be interested in like cave diving underwater. Like I think of those videos of on TikTok, if you've ever seen them, of like cave divers who go through like, like splunkers. Yeah, like cave spelunkers yeah. who go in. A, yeah, but you can do that underwater. It's which... also the fact that there's so much water above you that skews me out. Like the pressure that's coming oh. down on you. Hands down. Hands I would implode. Hands. Like it's I mean, scary. Well, obviously that's why you have equipment and stuff like that to deal with that and deal with the pressure. But it's uh, that risk of doing that though. Like, well, Yeah, any of those sports, no matter what, for sure, you're taking on some sort of risk, which is why you want to make sure that you're properly trained to understand how to handle those situations so he was going for the first one the open water he already had an open water okay. but he was looking to get a certified as an instructor deeper to get yeah the cave diving I certification see. which meant it would be deeper water oh my gosh and he was maybe hoping that one day if he had done all of that maybe he could even open his own business related to scuba diving yeah which... might, might as well do something you love right and his family and his girlfriend were like yeah we would have loved that for him and He's in Florida. yeah it's the perfect place to yeah do any of stuff like that so the weekend um a weekend in august i think it was like the 14th to 15th he went back to florida and that was the last time his family and his girlfriend ever saw him what in real life again okay that's crazy so let's get into the actual disappearance and what may have happened here so it's august 18th of 2010 and he's already been back in florida for a couple of days and you know like i said he goes to vortex ring a lot so he decides to go cave diving or he decides to go diving and yeah. he did one dive and a lot of not a lot, but a couple of other divers who were, like, there saw him diving and, like, looking at the entrance to the cave, which, you know, they just said that he was, like, inspecting it pretty heavily. And then yeah. he resurfaces to fill his tanks, though it's reported that they don't know what he filled the tanks with, which is a little odd. 
Hmm. because you assume that like a lot of these springs where they have um like scuba diving and stuff like that there's like a store where you can go and refill your scuba gear so like when i went scoot when i went snorkeling in florida you could scuba in the cavern that i went in and they had a store where you know if you need to fill up your tanks and get equipment you you can get are the tanks just oxygen um so we'll get into that later but no not strictly really i just surprisingly down there that's what i thought too but it's actually not oh so he hung out at vortex springs for like the rest of the day and um some people said that they saw him test his equipment he had a notebook where he like logged his dives and you know wrote stuff about them and it was a pretty hot day that day so they everybody said that he most likely was probably going to go diving again and before he went diving for a second time that day he called his mom and that was the last verbal contact or like any contact the family had with them. Damn. So it's like 7.30 p.m. And he decides to go diving again. And it should be noted that the place Vortex Springs, you could buy diving passes that let you dive like later on in the day. So even if the store wasn't open, as long oh. as you have the appropriate pass to be on the premises, you could like dive later in the day. Oh, and there's a couple other things about Vortex Spring that are pretty interesting. So Vortex Spring has a cave where people like to go dive down at the bottom. So there's like the open part, you know, where there's like the spring and then you can go down farther and there is the cave where you can go exploring. And all the way down into the water before you actually reach the cave entrance, like should you be scuba diving down there, there's actually a sign mounted onto the wall um, with a Grim Reaper on it. That says, warning, you know, these are the dangers of going into the cavern. Should you choose to continue, there's a serious risk of death and dying. And, well, that's the same thing, but, you know, proceed with caution. And there's even, like, a gate that's chained into the cave entrance that has a padlock to stop people who are inexperienced cave divers from going farther into the cave. So this entrance is about 115 feet down into the spring. And should you go past the gate, it, the cave continues about an additional 170 oh feet down. So they're already like, if you go here, you probably are going to die if you've never done this before. If you've never done this, yeah, your your chances of death are pretty high. So like you're almost 300 feet below the surface. Yeah, that's insane. And the spring is also like a little bit weird because it's been known to narrow down to a height of as little as 10 inches. So should no, you choose to cave dive that far creepy. and you wanted to keep pushing and pushing forward um sometimes divers would have to do this thing where to get through like small points they'll actually take off their tanks and they'll push them through first and then they'll go in after to oh. be able to fit yeah because otherwise they'll be too bulky yeah now i mentioned that the cave entrance was padlocked and the people who had the key were the people in the dive shop they had a key that could be handed to people to unlock the gate so long as they could prove that they had the proper certifications yeah. and training in place to actually cave dive properly. Yeah. And this policy went into place, um, I think, either in the early 2000s or in the late 90s, because there were 13 cave divers that died during the 90s due to you know, their inexperience. And the state pretty much went to the spring and was just like, you have two choices. Either you try to block it off and really enforce the fact that only experienced people should be doing this, 
or we shut the whole thing down completely and obviously they chose to yeah. do a gig so it's a liability yeah i mean it's still august 18th at this point though and ben has officially started like his second dive after talking to his mom and there's two employees who work at the shop there's one person named cronin and another person named eduardo and on wednesday nights they liked to dive after work so they were coming up after their dive and they had seen ben start to descend into you know the cavern and they noted that it was a little odd because he had like lights on on his gear and he had a helmet which kind of made them think that he was going to open the gate and try to cave diving so he didn't have the certification yet right no he did it because like i said it was only started for open in the open water yeah Mm -hmm. so So how would he even have opened it well so eduardo who's one of the shop employees I was like thinking for quite a while that Ben had been trying to tamper with the gates to like get past them and he knew like completely that Ben didn't have the right certifications but made the decision to dive back down and open the gate for Ben instead of he did that yeah the shop employee did what yeah the shop employee decided to like Apparently later on it was said that he did that because he was afraid that should Ben try to force his way through the gate, he could have gotten stuck and then panicked and then, you know, run out of air or just gotten so like not realized how much effort was going into him getting through the gate that he could have died. But they just decided Surely it would just be better. (laughs) Surely it would just be better to like the the biggest issue is that he's not certified exactly and eduardo knew it's probably it it probably didn't help that they were he was such a regular no definitely not i mean because ben it's hard saying no to a regular right i mean to be fair ben didn't even ask eduardo did this of his own free will ben didn't be like hey open yeah but i think it like maybe he feels like he's like his friend yeah like they're like oh like we've seen this guy a lot because um like i said though eduardo knew that ben was only certified to dive in open water up to 30 feet not really anything deeper than that well that's substantially lower than it yeah it's a lot less than you think it is wow and so after he opens the gate um eduardo and cronin who's the other shop employee go and they so sometimes what they used to do is they would just hang out in the evenings and sometimes they would wait to see like bubbles on the surface of the water which meant that a diver was ascending and like resurfacing so sometimes they would do that and be like oh okay like Ben's coming back up like we'll go but that night instead of hanging out they actually just decided to go get some coffee and like at Arbaro's house and that point in time is officially the last time anyone has seen Ben alive ever since was after Eduardo and Cronin saw him. That was it. Not to be pointing fingers so far, but my initial reaction is like, surely you should be doing more due diligence than that to Eduardo. Oh yeah, no, I agree with you. So later, like a couple days later, uh, they're like basically the same employees are working and the first day when they came back you know after that night they said that ben's truck was in 
the like parking lot for the spring. Oh, that's not good. But they said that A, it was the summer and it was busy. So a lot of people are coming in and out. Yeah. B, Ben had been known to leave his truck there for like weeks mm. at a time. And also Ben was just such a permanent fixture that nobody thought to think anything of it. Mm. But then yeah. the second day when they realized that Ben's truck was still there and hadn't like really moved or anything had happened, that's when they were like, oh, did he come back? And they decided to call the county sheriff's office since it was kind of weird, obviously, that nobody had seen him. Did they, they check if the gate was like open or anything? The gate still? was open. <gasps> yeah. You would think he cl- would close it if he came back. Unless he couldn't have, unless you can only close it from like being on the other side. Maybe. But so how- yeah. at this point in time, it's been officially documented that Ben is reported missing mm-hmm. and the search effort quickly begins and the sheriff's county, the sheriff's officers show up and immediately like tape off the area. They crime scene the whole thing. And they note that Ben's equipment wasn't found anywhere and that there were no signs of a struggle near his truck or anywhere on the premises or like any area on the premises that like he could have wandered to since he just kind of liked to hang out there. There was like no signs of a struggle. So they get into his truck and they noted that his personal belongings, including things like a wallet that had about $1,000 in cash and his phone were inside along with his notebook of dive logs which was read and shown that he'd actually been exploring the caves down there and was making a map of them. So he had documented uh, his efforts to like try to cave dive already. So they were like, oh my God, he must have like maybe gone too far. Maybe he got stuck. You know, we got to figure out what's going on. So the officers went to his beach house and tried to see if they could find any evidence there. And it's actually really sad. They found his dog. And she hadn't been fed in two days. So she was really, really hungry when they found her. And basically, they said that based off of the length of time and based off the fact that nobody was seen then resurface, they had pretty much already ruled that he had drowned. And that if they were to look for him, it would not be like, you know, finding him alive, but really it's just just be like a recovery recovery mission. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently cadaver dogs were also brought in and they alerted on the surface of the water, which, you know, kind of reinforced their theory (laughs) that, oh, he drowned, which would be interesting because I'd be really curious to know, like, it's a pretty vast body of water. Like if he got stuck like 150, 250 feet down, like you would assume that the scent would be so dispersed that like I don't know if be able to alert. cadaver dogs are necessarily backed by factual science to I be honest honestly don't know that they are either which is I why... think it may be a little pseudosciencey like it can be applicable in some instances but but there's not enough concrete evidence to be like out of x amount of times it was really, this I think is... it was one of those really big pseudosciences that got popularized when like forensic shows came out. Mm, they're like, oh, bring in the cadaver dogs. But yeah, you know. and like, oh, we did a polygraph test, but like, that's not good in right. a court of law either. No, yeah. So, volunteers. But it does sound like he would have drowned. I mean, based on what you've said. I so mean, far. based off of this. And, and he didn't log down. the new, the new dive. No, and just being that inexperienced, I mean, I could imagine that there's a million things to go wrong. And like, if you look this up on Reddit, you can actually see like GoPro footage of people who've <gasps> like dived in the spring and take you through the spring itself. It's 
dark. Like it's creepy dark. And it's a lot smaller than you think it would be. So the area where the gate is, I believe, was a, they called it the piano room. Because apparently, like, the way that your breath. That sounds, like, scary. It does sound scary. But, like, the way the diver's breaths reverberated in the cave, they said it just Mm. sounded interesting. So they called it the piano room. I'm pretty sure that's that area. But it just keeps on getting narrower and narrower. And once you go through... I mean, there's so many pinch points and there's so many small spaces that you can get wedged and stuck in. And it's insane. So at this point in time, volunteers were brought in for the recovery effort. And his parents at this point in time and girlfriend were also notified like, hey, Ben's not here. We're basically looking for a body at this point. You should probably be present. And they drove from Tennessee to Florida to kind of be there while all this is going on. And Captain Harry Hamilton, who was an investigator at the county sheriff's office, thought that they like that their effort of putting out a plea to find volunteers who could cave dive would, you know, end up with a crap ton of people yeah. who could help them find Ben. But that's when they realized that the necessary skills and training needed to be able to cave dive with a rescue mission in mind. We're talking like, so fun fact, the people who are certified to cave dive, of all the people who are scuba divers, they only make up like 1% of people who have that certification in the scuba oh my dive. God. And people who are trained. It's really a niche community. No, it's extremely niche. And people yeah. who are trained to that already and also have rescue training are like the 1% of the 1% is what I read on Reddit. I remember when the submersible went missing james cameron Mm -hmm. the guy who directed titanic Mm -hmm. he actually is like an engineer and i think he yeah so i think he essentially used the titanic movie to back the funding that may not be true but like it definitely helped him to explore what he wanted to and he said that this diet the communities of people who go really deep in the water are so small like it's a really like so when the submersible went missing by monday in the community they knew that they died because mm. they they were the only ones that would know what would happen at that depth and what would go wrong yeah and they're like there's absolutely yeah. no way so it's insane how many i mean how little people explore that that's how unexplored water is like the deep water is yeah i mean but you also have to think of people who would want to basically spelunk in a cave and they said that the needed training like it's something like you have to log x amount of dives and x amount of um dives like with training or whatever mm-hmm. spend so many hours and i think ben was kind of i don't want to use the word rookie but honestly like kind of rookie enough that for when he was trying to cave dive like a lot of his knowledge around cave diving was stuff that he was trying to figure out he didn't mm. really do it under the supervision of somebody who's experienced and knowledgeable. Like he had the yeah. open water cert, but anything past that, I don't think he got. He seemed a little for. too naive. Yeah, I think naive is a great way yeah. to put it. And too excited. Yeah, I mean, people at the Vortex Spring says that he was overly confident in his skills. Mm. And that's why the parents came out later and were like, no, he wasn't overly confident. He was just brave and he was persistent. And it's like, but. I mean, those are the, that's the flip coin of being overly confident yeah so at this point in time they did get experienced cave divers who came on site 
and they searched the cave and looked in pretty much every single place that Ben could have gotten caught and tried to go as far in as they could or also tried to see like if he had to resurface quickly and he panicked and got disoriented these are all the potential places that he could have gone or gotten snagged on and they didn't find anything about two days later after he had actually disappeared his tanks were found like storage like extra tanks but it was weird because they only had normal air and people who dive and cave dive like that, they actually don't breathe normal air. Divers, um, cave diving in deeper waters need a specialized mix of air that is typically 21% oxygen and 78% nitrogen. I figured the other one would be nitrogen. Yeah, because that's the whole thing with like the bends and all of so that. So he didn't know that then. Well, they were saying that for the amount of interest he showed in cave diving it should have been something that he should have known but there's always that possibility of he might not have known well i assumed assumed that it was just oxygen maybe he was doing the same thing. oh yeah no that's what i thought too because when i did my initial research yeah and they said that he had resurfaced on that day to like fill his tanks there was like parentheses that were like but we don't know with what because i don't think they had that kind of just like normal air yeah but I, I, you know, that's honestly something I don't know. Wait, also, so when you would do an open water dive, is uh-huh. that all oxygen as well? See, that I don't know. I think that might be mostly oxygen because I think it, I did see that like deeper waters require that mix compared to yeah. like, you know. Because otherwise, he might have really just not known. He might not have, but these tanks weren't found on the surface. I think they were found in the water. Because oh. apparently divers will stash tanks along their route. So that way, if they needed to resurface or if they were running out of air quickly, they could, you know, just switch out the tanks that they had stashed underwater. Yeah, that could make sense with like an emergency oxygen kind of thing. Yeah, and three different tanks were found, all to be in various mismatched states. So they weren't like, you know, all one kind. Yeah, and I like think- it looked like it was put in different spots on different. Yeah, so they yeah. had actually seen the tanks already. When they had went down there the first time, but they just thought oh. that they were other volunteers' tanks. I see. Until they all realized, like, hold on a second, this doesn't belong to any of us. Especially because of how mismatched they were. People never realized that they were mm. all belonging to him. So, now it's August 22nd, and a world-renowned diver by the name of Ed Sorensen, he was contacted to come help out in the case, and he arrived literally the next day after he was contacted and because of his experience like he's like really well known i think in the diving community mm-hmm. and because of how technical his skills are he was able to go 200 feet further <gasps> into the cave than ben had mapped using a special kind of like propulsion vehicle and he mm. said that even though he went that far there was no body there was no evidence and there was also no increase in activity of like carnivorous fish which could have uh-huh. been, you know, feasting on a body. Should there have and been how body. deep is the whole entire thing? Um, I think about 300 feet, if not more. So, like, he wouldn't be able to reach the bottom unless he had, like, a... No, so the whole cave's actually never been explored. It definitely keeps uh... going, but nobody knows to what extent because they can't... So he really could have just had a catastrophic event occur and then fall to the bottom. It's possible, but also you have to wonder if pressure would kind of like take a toll at what point. 
Yeah. But we need to take a 10 minute break because Zoom's going to kick us out. Before we go on our break, I just want to quickly mention that if you want to, you can subscribe to our podcast now on Spotify. You don't have to, but you definitely could if you want to for $2.99 a month. You too can sponsor the Case Time Podcast, sponsor Case Time Podcast, and get our episodes a day early before they air, which is typically on Wednesdays. And that'll be great. Yeah. I would do it if I wasn't me. If I weren't me, I would do it too. (laughs) (laughs) But all right. Well, I'll see you in a sec and we'll see you guys in literally a second. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to Case Time Podcast. We had a nice little 10 minute break because Zoom is, you know, greedy. Elitist. (laughs) But that's fine. So I'm going to pick up where I left off. And okay, but before I pick up where I left off, did you have any initial thoughts during our break? Or no? Or do you want me to just keep going? I think he drowned. Okay. That's definitely and a theory. I think it could also be just a case of maybe being a little too overconfident in his abilities and not I, doing the proper research. I think that's definitely a possibility. I think he might not have understood like what he was getting into and maybe he, he was, was just, just like, very lucky for a long time. Yeah, I mean, especially because that one guy opened the gate. I mean, he could have been like, oh my goodness, like I made it through. I mean, apparently it wasn't that hard to actually sneak past the gate anyways. Oh. It was supposedly like pretty easy to just be able to make it around. But let me continue. It kind of seems like the employees didn't even take that serious. Like, that's a really big thing to let somebody down there, especially at night when nobody's there. And understand was that Eduardo it, ever called into like criticism for it? I think Eduardo was, but I'm not sure what I don't think he ever got charged with anything. Yeah, I don't think he would, but yeah. So continuing where I left off, I was talking about how Ed Sorensen, who's like a really expert diver that apparently people in the diving community know about. was brought in and was able to go about 200 feet further than what Ben had mapped using like a propulsion vehicle. And while he was down there, he didn't find a body. He didn't find any evidence of like an increase in carnivorous fish activity. And it was also noted that there were no marks on the cave walls, no disturbances in the silt, which showed that Ben may not even have been there at all because Ed said that with someone's with someone like Ben's stature and weight, because he was six foot one and he was two hundred and ten pounds, there's no way that he could have fit through like the more narrow passages because even Ed had some difficulty making it through. And had he attempted, that attempt would have been seen from like marks on the walls or disturbances in the silt, which is like the floor of the cave or like the sand. Mm. And none of that was seen. So apparently the person who actually originally mapped the cave, it was an individual by the name of Steve Keeney or Keen. They also tried to find Ben because they were the ones to like map the cave, you know, for the first time, but they also didn't have any luck. And a remote underwater vehicle was also brought in, but there were apparently some technical issues when it was deployed. And the remote underwater underwater vehicle didn't make it farther than the actual like people did who died oh. like dove, so that didn't give anything. And Maybe retry that then. 
Yeah, that's what I kind of thought too. I was like, what kind like, of was it just a one time thing? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what kind of technical technical difficulties are we talking about? Because if it's supposed to be able to do that, why wouldn't you redeploy it? But and I, I know I, they have the tech, like, it, like I said, it was a niche community, so I'm sure they could get the technology to do it. Yeah, and I mean, we're talking about like 2010 here. It's not that long ago. Yeah, no. And so people were starting to kind of suspect if Ben had even died in the cavern at this point. And that's particularly because they even checked the bacteria levels in the water, which if Ben were to have passed away in the cave, you would ex- you would expect that with the decomp that there would be an increase in bacteria, but there was no increase in bacteria. Well, so some, huh. I feel like you could have died and fell at such a fast rate that the pressure was so much like would there even be anything to decomp i don't know i mean it's a possibility but i think we'd have because to they're not like, even he's not being able to control his descent rate right you know? but like at what pressure though would that become an issue would be my question which i don't know the answer to surely the bottom <laughs> like what's the number Oh, <laughs> I'm like, well, it's also just even if you're descending too fast, you know, just because of that change in pressure, I don't think it necessarily has to yeah, be a number. Yeah, it's typically metered coming up and down because when you're coming back up because of the nitrogen in your blood, you need to let it like yeah. dissipate. That's all the way they call it the bends or what they call yeah. the bends. Um, so other people had kind of suspected that like since they didn't really know the full extent of the cave system, there was always a possibility that Ben had actually washed out of the cave should he have died and like could have ended up in creeks and rivers that were around the cave but he didn't that he was never found and they searched the land and made an effort there but there was literally no sign of Ben at all so after the search ended his parents decided to put up a ten thousand dollar reward and quote-unquote for anyone, uh, let me rephrase that. His parents offered up a $10,000 reward for anyone, quote unquote, brave enough to explore the cave more to search for Ben. And for the people who had already volunteered their time, that like really struck a nerve with them because they brave. Were, yeah, they were experienced. It's not a matter they, of bravery, of fear. It's just a matter of lack of experience. And a lot of these people were, I think, donating their time and their skills, like, pro bono. So they weren't, you know, expecting anything in return. So they really felt insulted. And a lot of those people, I think, actually backed out after that. I wonder where he got his his belief system from. I don't know. Clearly his parents. Apparently. They seem to have, like, the same attitude. Like... These experienced divers were actually really nervous about the fact that the parents put up a reward because they were worried that inexperienced divers would take this as a challenge. And because of how complex the whole dive is and the fact that it is a cave dive, that they would die if they took on the challenge. You would think their son would see something like that and be like, oh, I might try that. Obviously, there are other people like him. Exactly. And money can motivate people. They're like, oh, what's the worst that happens? Like, I don't find him. I just go back up when I can't, when I go, whatever. And it should be noted that in March of 2012, the reward was actually up to $30,000. And a individual by the name of Larry Higginbotham had died. 
and he was found at the spring. So this is what's making me say what number is the pressure like impactful because they found his body like in the cave through a rescue effort when he never came back up. And apparently there's like no actual proof that said that Larry was looking for Ben, Mm. but he was found in like such tiny areas with equipment to like try to dig at those small areas Mm. that they kind of suspected that that's what he was doing. And in April of 2012, Ben's parents finally took back the reward and to like stop people from risking their lives. And Ed Sorensen, who's the expert diver, was noted on record saying not only did it endanger the lives of divers who would risk going farther than they should, it also put, excuse me, all our lives at risk because we have to go in and recover the bodies. And again, like if they were able to find Larry and he wasn't. Well, he may have not gotten as far as him and then been able to go to a place where they could find him. That's true. Like kind of went somewhere. Maybe he, maybe he had went further and then suffered his catastrophic event. That's true. That's true. So at this point in time, Ed Sorensen actually didn't even, who's the expert diver, honestly didn't even think that Ben had died in the cave. He kind of thought that Ben had died outside of the cave. And Ben's parents were also now starting to kind of get the same impression and thought that Ben had been murdered because there's just nothing other than the empty, other than the tanks to show that like there was any evidence of him having been down there. Do they even have a reference to what it looked like before though? Like Like, what the cave looked like? Yeah. I mean, how realistically would they know if one thing was out of place and whether he was there or not? So, because of how the cave narrows, they should have seen some sign of, like, his body having touched the cave walls if he went that but far. who's to say it's not someone else's? You know what I'm... Yeah, like, how, yeah, who, who's keeping track of, like... That is fair. What it looks like after a time, every time Plus, somebody dies. It was also noted that the spring was also a place for people to go snorkeling, I think, or just go swimming. And there was, like, a line that those people weren't supposed to cross for where, like, the divers were able to go to. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that line was, like, a little bit crossed, and that caused a lot of silt and stuff to be stirred up. And that Mm -hmm. was, like, a problem, obviously, with the divers, because they were, like, you're messing up your visibility and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there is a chance. But, again, it's still weird that... And he also could have had the wrong oxygen, possibly. But there's no sign of him, which is what's wild. And... So at this point in time, a phone tip line was set up to try to get some information, and it mm-hmm. got no calls. Nobody had any sort of an idea of what happened to Damn. Ben. Now, I think it's important to take some time to talk about Vortex Spring in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So the owner of Vortex Spring was a man by the name of Lowell Kelly. And he actually, around the same time, was facing criminal charges after trying to beat up a temporary employee who owed him thousands of dollars with a baseball bat in an isolated area of the woods. Apparently, Lowell just, like, dragged him out to this, like, quiet and tried to beat him to get the money. Wow. And the temporary employee actually escaped. And that's when Lowell was charged charged with assault and kidnapping. And in 2011, Kelly was ameliorated ameliorated the charge against him by pleading no contest. 
and he was fined up to seven years probation, but he died within the first year after falling down the stairs and suffering a head injury at a chili cook-off, which killed him within a month of sustaining the injury. So that's what happened to the owner. So it kind of like brings up the fact that maybe there was some sketchy stuff going on there, but we don't maybe, know. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. And so one of the theories for what could have happened to Ben is that he disappeared on purpose to start a new mm-hmm. life and kind of like faked his death because he was in so much debt. His life was in shambles and, well, you know, 50,000 realistically isn't that much debt. I mean, that's payable off in like 10 years. Yeah. Like, but like max. he had a failed marriage. Yeah. His business failed. His brother died. And people said it was interesting because when he, so when he went to Florida, like true, his brother or, did die. When he went to yeah. Tennessee to see his parents and his girlfriend, and he, before mm-hmm. he came back to Florida, he like actually left them a note that like thanked them for having encouraged him to take this sabbatical to begin with, mm-hmm. and he like made a promise to his parents on the note that he would look after them as they got old. So it just doesn't seem like the kind of thing like after leaving a note like that that you would just fake your death and like move on i agree so that's kind of where everything's left off nothing has ever really been found since then and i mean i bet his parents are just grasping at straws to figure out what happened to their son so sure i mean you're hitting a point where nobody knows what's happened you don't have any concrete evidence nobody's seen anything they have zero closure and zero idea of what happened and there's a bunch of different theories of what happened and when I was looking online, these were a bu- couple of the theories I had seen. The first one is that he died in the cave, obviously, as an accident. Yeah. I think that's, you know, a very possible... Reasonable theory. Reasonable theory that could happen. Version. The second is that he committed suicide because of everything that was going on. The third... And so, if he were to have committed suicide, some people speculate that he wedged himself so far deep into the cave that nobody would be able to find him. That's a little intense way to end your life. I, I mean, don't. obviously, I like, don't disagree. how many people commit suicides by deep diving? I mean... And that's not really good. Um, that's like a genuine... Question? Yeah, because there's yeah. definitely way more lethal ways to do it. Oh, yeah. So huh. another theory is, again, that he decided to disappear on purpose and just kind of start over and he faked his death um another uh theory you would is, think there'd be sightings though or like at least some person tried to get his dog or like something. who could for you're now a recent new pet owner i am it would take a lot i would i would have to be the obliterated to not I... find the I'm idea of my animal being alone for two days, starving, nope. without food, without water, and being scared would annihilate me. And so not I, knowing, where, like, I would never, and, and to have him come on the move, too. Like, and his dog. dog went, like, everywhere. Then. Like, I think yeah. it was his, um, like, support animal, almost. Yeah. And that's another thing. I don't really, being a pet owner, maybe I'm just projecting, but it would be really hard for me not to think he would not sort the dog out. Right, like you wouldn't want to be like, oh, at least me... like food, enough food, or like enough food until he's found. Drop him off in yeah. a shelter, mm-hmm. like do something. Exactly. Leave a note. Like it just seems like he fully intended to come back. 
I mean, he left his cash and yeah, there's yeah, yeah. a lot of signs showed that he fully expected to be making a return. Yeah. And I think his life was actually starting to turn around and he was like, it seemed like a pretty decent spot. I mean, I don't think he, it doesn't seem like he was down on his luck at that point. It's like a redemption arc for him at this point. Yeah. He's coming into his hobby. He's getting Mm -hmm. paid to like live in Florida or not getting paid, but he's being supported financially on the beach, basically to live on the beach in Florida. He's enjoying his time. And he with doesn't his have to dog. worry about much with his dog. He has a girlfriend. He has mm-hmm. parents that love him. Um, so another theory is that it was foul play. And that the people at the spring, the employees, could have potentially found him dead the next morning. That's what I just thought when you said that. Removed him on their own for fear of being in trouble that they didn't. That Stop they let him, him in knowing that he that's a good the right theory start. yeah and the last one is that he was just murdered not related to the employees at the spring because it just... could explain then if the cadaver dogs are reliable the then he would have floated up yeah i mean it would make sense that like he would come back up if he wasn't too far away yeah so where would he have yeah, and it's interesting. the owner of Vortex Spring was already like charged with doing sketchy stuff. Yeah. So there's cool. no telling like maybe he's done stuff like this before. But we we don't know. Or so maybe the owner didn't even know and then just the people freaked out and they were like, oh my God. Or, or. Because it's convenient that he didn't wait for the bubbles, right? You're letting somebody go into a place that's restricted. He didn't have to wait for the bubbles. So he open. didn't. But if that's normal. For him, like if they're of, gonna say that they've done that before. If he was worried, he was like, "Oh, I care enough to open the gate for him." You would think you would care enough to make sure he's all right, especially in a situation like when you're this ex- where you more know... experienced than him. Yeah, and especially when yeah. you know that he's not started today of all days. Why wouldn't you stay? And that was the other thing to go get coffee too. at night. People think that the two employees showed up the next day and realized that he died after they let him in, and that they hit the body. But there's no evidence like that. That's to creepy. support that they actually did that. Yeah, no. And apparently, like, a lie detector test came back, like, fine, saying that Eduardo admitted to letting him in. But there was nothing, like... Anything else after that. Nothing, anything else after that. I mean, the true crime in me would want to be like, oh, that's the most interesting theory. But, like, realistically, the most logical theory would be the first one. Would be that he just died in the cave as an accident yeah but with how narrow it gets like up to 10 inches and that being like like why wouldn't he just be wedged i think it might just depend on where he became unconscious because i don't think it necessarily matters where exactly you start falling but it matters at the rate of acceleration you're descending at but here's my question and he might have he if you're already going down that fast wouldn't you like but say that you're crawling through a tunnel and it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. Eventually, the size of you is going to stop you from progressing. Yeah. So I think that's what people are saying. It's like it's almost like a tunnel that just keeps getting. But when know, does the when does it become so narrow? He would get stuck. Is that further on? Um, I don't or know. Right how, away. No, I think it's further on. But it was further on enough that people knew where it was. Okay. 
And not that it wasn't like unheard of because like it was documented that people. I mean, he didn't have to necessarily go in the cavern that far. He could have just kept going down another way. And right. He might have he might have explored a cave that he didn't see. He might have, but I don't think this cave supposedly, if I remember correctly, is as complex as people thought it was. Apparently a nickname for Vortex. Or is that hindsight? Well, no. Vortex Spring had a nickname called Vortex Spring because people said it was that boring to cave dive in Hmm. because it wasn't that interesting. So if it's like a straightaway, he should be hitting a point where like you know, he shouldn't be able to go farther even if he's unconscious. He should be he should. somewhere. But he may not have went the way people are thinking. So, but I mean, there's two options. There's up or there's... Well, he may have gone and came out and started exploring around. Like in the cave? Like, is there only just one cave? Yeah. And then the rest is just open water? So top is open water. Yeah. You come down and then it enters into the cave. Only that cave. It should be only that cave if I remember correctly. Because if it's not, then I could see maybe he came up, started exploring more. No, I think for him to come up, he would have to exit the whole thing. I see. Okay. Hmm. So it's just really weird. that, But again, that there's no... Yeah, that is weird. And how how long after did they get somebody down there? Within two or three days. Hmm. To start looking. I mean, a lot of people go missing in water, and the only reason why they're able to find them is due to them bloating and rising. Right, and they never did. And I'm just saying for a system that is... Like funnels down. Right, and it's not as big as like the ocean, you know, it's yeah. a more isolated system. I'm not saying it's like completely isolated. Oh no. But it definitely has to get its water flow from somewhere. Yeah, water well, they feed water into it, I think. Oh, it's man made? No, I think they feed like fresh water oh. or something. Hold on. Let me let me let me do some live research. Hmm. Is Vortex Spring fed by water? It's a freshwater spring that produces approximately 28 million U.S. gallons of water daily. It's commercially operated and it consists of 200-foot basin with a sloping sides, this is per Wikipedia, and a cave Mm. which links the spring to the Florida aquifer. So, yeah, I think it, I think it is fed somewhere, but I don't think it's, it's, it's interesting. If you look at it online, it looks like a tadpole, almost like the shape of the tadpole. I'm trying to look up some. That's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, I tell you, if you look up this on reddit you'll find those videos of like the cave dives and it was smaller than i thought it was going to be like i thought it would be more of an open space but it truly wasn't it was more of it was more claustrophobic than i thought it was going to be and it's dark like dark dark down there because you're so far below the surface 
Yeah. The cavern entrance is a fifty is fifty eight feet below the surface. Correction to what I said earlier, and has an opening of nine by twelve feet. A handrail is mounted along the wall of the cave. The cave is accessible to three hundred and ten feet. Further passage is blocked by a steel grate. Experienced divers are allowed to dive 115 feet. And that's also per Wikipedia. Hmm. So it's it's a pretty pretty decent cave. So that's that's that theory though. That it he is. could have died in an accident. There's not a lot of I evidence mean, to support that he did, but it's possible. I'm just from like to be getting the opportunity to take a sabbatical at your parents' beach house is a lot. I just felt like it is a good, like, reflection of his attitude and the way that they're saying, like, the people who can be, like, so bright. Maybe he was just engaging in risky diving behavior and lost his life. He honestly And they been. refuse to say it because they just want to paint him as brave. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he was not certified or trained in any capacity to be diving at the depths that he did what he was diving was most like pretty much his own experience doing it and he didn't have any formal training in that whatsoever and yeah. he never dove with and somebody them offering a training. reward for somebody to take it on as a challenge is really disrespectful to the community it's and just like yeah. do you understand how dangerous your what your son was doing because it doesn't seem like they do Exactly. Like you have people here who are taking this already known risky dive who are not trained in reconnaissance to be your son who was engaging in risky behavior. Right. It could be that this might be like a real big consequence of something he just couldn't get out of. It could have been. From ill preparation. Yeah. I saw online that he, before everything like kind of fell apart. He had started a construction business and Mm. he had gotten married and he had just bought like a $450,000 house. And unfortunately, he did that like around 2008, which is when the housing market crashed. Yikes. So he basically had to sell his house. And then because he was a construction business, he wasn't paying Mm. like construction stuff properly i don't know yeah the correct term was but basically just resulted in him having to just sell everything to kind of figure it out and like stop the business and then his marriage ended on top of all that Mm -hmm. so i don't know i think the next theory of he could have committed suicide is unlikely in my opinion yeah and you know i mean happy people commit suicide all the time so it's always it may not be likely it's always a possibility it's but always a possibility, but I think... I don't think it's the most likely if we're just basing it off that. I agree. I think yeah. with how his life was turning around and how decent he felt his life was, it's a possibility for sure because you still have to remember everything that he went through. But at the yeah. stage of life he was in at that point in time, it just doesn't make sense. No. And I should also note that, I think I said this before, but Eduardo, who was the cave employee, or the employee who let him in, had already suspected for quite a while that Ben was forcing his way to yeah. the gate and through the gate. So this wasn't his first... I don't think... Obviously, that wasn't his first time in the cave. He's done it already before. Yeah. And I think... He might have just thought, yeah, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. 
but like why that moment though then if you were choosing to commit suicide why would you make that your moment oh no i thought we were just talking about if he was accidental like he was overzealous oh no i mean that's true too if he was overzealous and he's like oh like this isn't yeah i actually got in and i have to spend and i mean the theory where they find him and hide him i mean like realistically they don't really have any reason to do that other than alerting the authorities i mean they had no issue alerting authorities when other people died right why would it be different with ben and that's what i mean like when larry was found yeah if they found him that easy in the cave they should have been able to find some evidence of ben having been down there yeah so i don't know i guess maybe there is some there could be a spring that could have washed him out there could have but that whole surrounding area was definitely checked and i mean you also have to remember look how far water travels oh yeah but i'm also gonna say like look how late at night it is that he's doing this yeah it's august that would freak me out it's 7 30 in the evening and i mean it's a dark cave to begin with so i don't think time of day is really gonna matter much to you but it's late it's like what other kind of people are you around and apparently there were reports of like somebody who was i think potentially really drunk or just not in the right state of mind being there around Mm. that time and then also reports of like drunk kids who were around the area but all of those leads i don't think really led to anything yeah i mean i can't imagine being drunk and just wanting to murder a scuba diver yeah Definitely. Like that would just I mean, be, and he's huge. He's six one and over two hundred pounds. He's not an easy I mean, target to kill. He would no. already have to be dead. Exactly, but it's just so weird that like somebody like him is disappearing without a trace. Like that, just like water can do some very mysterious things. Look how fast it sure. killed um, Naya Rivera. Yeah, you're right. If she didn't blow, and it was a smaller area, we would have not. No one would have found her. Yeah, water can do some pretty crazy it's things. Dang- pretty it's heavy. It's really heavy and dangerous. Especially if you don't know what you're doing. Or if you think you know what you're doing is worse. Because then and com- complacency kills. That's why people say that. Complacency, but also if you're not that experienced of a diver, there was a lot of things I saw online that said for somebody as inexperienced as Ben was, it's very, very easy for him to get disoriented, for him mm. to maybe panic. And apparently when you're trained to cave dive, you're actually taken through panic situations with an instructor Um, and taught like how to handle it. Because one of the biggest things that you have to know when you're cave diving is how to regulate your breathing because you're very mm -hmm. limited, obviously, in what you have. So if you panic and then you breathe too fast, you're burning through your tanks really quickly and you could get disoriented very fast. And if he wasn't, I mean, I'm not saying this is true because we don't know, but if he wasn't filling up his tanks correctly, he would have become disoriented faster because he's lacking the nitrogen. Right. So... What would would be not disorienting to a diver who's well equipped may have been disorienting to him. Exactly. Yeah. So just because of he could have not even known what to do. Yeah. And the next theory of he started he did it on purpose and faked his death. I honestly also think that's really unlikely. I mean, realistically, I, how many people he sounded like he had a pretty cushy life. I was gonna say he comes from a pretty good background he has wealthy yeah. parents who are allowed to take a sabbatical a at 30. Sab- yeah and living in his living in their beach parents house in florida just diving every day i mean being able to find and follow your true passion and yeah you know, just being able to kind of restart your life 
So like he's already getting a fresh start. And he has a new girlfriend. It's not like he's like trying to No. But it's like I don't know what more of a fresh start he could have wanted unless Mm -hmm. there was like legal troubles or money troubles and he was trying to like, you know, you fake your death to get around that. I don't know. And so going on from there, the foul play though at the like from the dive shop, I think that's possible in my opinion. The foul play is a little weird, but it didn't seem like they were afraid to tell what them when people died. No, and I mean, I you can't really hold the whole fact of his car being there against them because of just how much he was there. And also, and like, summer, they have a million other things than to notice, like... His car. Yeah, maybe someone has the same car. I don't know. Well, also, they're <laughs> like, working, and it's the summer. Yeah. It's August in Florida. Everybody's going to be down there to, mm-hmm. you know, snorkel or scuba or swim. And in two days, the body could have, like, dislodged. It could have floated out. But by the time they started looking, it may have been out of the search radius already. It could have been, but in my opinion, it would have had to go down farther yeah you're also more uh, flexible when you aren't resisting alive right but at this point it's about three or four days in so wouldn't and maybe he's like compressant he's getting smaller underwater because of the pressure oh i see what you're saying like you're not going to decay as fast because you're not under as much oxygen as you are in in you don't have that much carbon near you or anything yeah I don't know. Because um, you become of, like a rag doll. I'm trying to figure out how much. He could have even pushed it through. Whatever tries to push it through. Rag dolls. Yeah, apparently a human can go 130 feet deep without mm-hmm. being crushed by pressure. But it depends on factors according to AmericanOrchards.org such as the individual's physical fitness, their experience, and the equipment used. Generally, the safe limit for recreational diving is considered to be 130 feet deep. Hmm. And I think it would be interesting to understand what kind of gear he had. I think that's probably out there on the internet. That's a big thing that they're missing. I think it. there might have been discussions into it, but I don't think it was anything crazy enough or i think it was appropriate potentially for what he was doing Mm. but i don't know that's something i would have had to have looked into yeah i think he just might have died by misadventure yeah i was gonna say the only other option left is that he was murdered foul play but i mean i mean it sounds like there's people who are still hanging out in this park around the time that he was diving it's yeah. not closed off from the public. So if foul play was a thing, you would and they have cameras. Let me point that out too. They mm. had a video of him at the dive shop, like refilling his tank. So if they had cameras there, they should have been able to like check to see if there was any foul play. If he never resurfaced, then realistically, he just was down there for, and it can't be found. But they had cameras in the dive shop. I just don't know that they had cameras on the water. You would think they would. You would think you would for liability reasons to be like, oh, we need to know who's entering the water if it's not like garden. But at the end of the day, it's just nobody knows what happens to Ben McDaniel. And it's really sad because you want to have some sort of closure, especially for the family. You don't want to believe that your son was misadventuring. Like you believe in his ability to do well. 
Exactly. Like that's why they're grab they're grasping at straws. Yeah. Because they had also paid for this like special, I think it was the one that malfunctioned. They had like begged, I think, the police department to let them use it up to the point where they said if it had gotten stuck and it broke, they would have paid the $54,000 to replace it. But it like malfunctioned. Yeah, they clearly don't have money issues or. No, I mean, they were sponsoring that reward He's too. He seemed to like be raised in an environment where he really didn't get his way which is why he was so persistent from what it seems yeah but it's just an unfortunate situation i, don't really I mean have it's much... a it's a warning sign to people to not be you don't know more than people who know more than you yeah and to heed warnings and to heed safety precautions they're put there for a reason absolutely especially when you're dealing with something so dangerous as water yeah, water is unforgiving, mm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. Water is always unforgiving. It takes one second to panic. Mm-hmm. But I don't really have any other theories past that. I don't know if you do. Me either. I think you covered it well. I have no idea what else it would be. You know my thoughts on it. I really think he... Just may have bit off a little bit more than he could chew and unfortunately paid the ultimate price for it. And his parents have to deal with that yeah and that's why you should always be a little cautious always well we thank you for listening to this episode of case time thank you so much we will be back again next week and like i said during our little break there if you want to you can sponsor the podcast if you would like to for 2.99 a month if you do people who choose to sponsor will be given access to our content a day earlier you'll be the first to hear our podcast before anybody else does but again, you don't have to sponsor us. You can if you want. You can to. give us a little rating. You can follow us. You can, you can message us and with let the us know what you think, what we should improve, new format improvements. We don't mind. Anything's yeah. welcome. Give us the feedback. We'll gladly My take DMs it. are open. <laughs> Same. Not close. For constructive criticism only. Yes. Not for Nothing only. else. Nope. Just for <laughs> feedback. Thank you. Thank you. So with that being said, we hope that you guys have a good week. Let us know what you think, and we'll talk to you guys next week. I'll catch you later. Bye.